0: Markers. So, do you have any kinks, JB? I, yeah.
1: What's wow. your kink? Oh, God.
0: What's your kink? Oh, tell America. America know. needs to know.
1: I, you go first. I don't, I don't know that I know. Mm. I have been single for so long. What a great time to explore your kinks. I know. That is
2: this really true. Yeah, that's a great that point. point. You know, that through toys. Really through, this is really not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: this is a jewelry podcast. By Just for everyone listening, by the way, just so you know.
1: Yeah. Uh Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, my gosh, there are so many things. You know, this is also the first time in my life that I haven't been super sexually active since I started mm. being sexually active. I don't active. think you're the only one given COVID.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think given
0: COVID. It's been kind of except interesting. Except for uh, gay men are wild now. Gay yeah. men are rotten.
2: Well, I think toy sales are like off the charts.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh,
2: I believe Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, for us, if we're going to relate this to the work that we do, you know, I think a big kink is, um, you know, power dynamics, from feeling empowered to explore whatever your kink may be, and that can mean creating a safe space for yourself and to share a space with other people. And I think that's a big part of the work that we do, whether it's creating jewelry or imagery or exploring our own personal interests outside of the studio. Safe spaces, I think, are at the core of any fun and healthy exploration.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And anytime we're in a studio together, JB and I,
1: it's a safe space. It's a
0: safe space. Yeah. So. And we explore things.
1: Right. Welcome to Rough Cut. Welcome to a Rough safe Cut. space.
0: Ooh. That for <laughs> yeah, <that was> awesome.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Welcome I'm to
0: Cut. Rough Cut.
1: I'm JB Jones, and again, this is Rough Cut, the official New York City Jewelry Week podcast. And safe spaces is a great start to the topic we're going to be exploring today, which is a lot about lifestyle. So we have an amazing brand here today. Lifestyle brand. Lifestyle brand, uh, focused in mostly on jewelry, but has really expanded their repertoire in the last few years. And one of our personal favorite jewelers um, and designers all-around innovators, to Mm -hmm. be honest, Dana and Mariah of Bond Hardware. Yay!
0: Today, welcome. Welcome, ladies. Thank you
1: for that shiny, glitzy welcome. Yes. Um, We're so
2: excited to be here, and part of um, a theme that you'll notice throughout our conversation today is the terms that we gravitate towards. We really feel like resonate um, on multiple levels, so being a lifestyle brand Mm -hmm. and you know, have being the type of brand that alludes and nods to lots of themes and motifs without ever being heavy handed or overt or alienating to people. Mm-hmm. That's part of creating a safe space is kind of like, you know it's dipping a toe in and warming up and not just jumping right into Anything yeah. like asplay intense, like asplay or yeah. anything.
0: You can't like just that. get in there, right? That's not healthy. That's not good for anyone, and that's not a good time for anybody involved. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, we so brought it true. back to the intro. We brought it
1: back, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> <for that. laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah, because I'm a baby. There's going to be a lot of butt stuff. <laughs> Sticking to jerks. the agenda. Sticking to <laughs> the agenda at hand. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, um speaking of, you know. As play and Safe Spaces and that sort of thing. And talking about your designs specifically, your designs are, you can correct me totally if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of sources of inspiration from everyday kind of objects that... Uh, can also be used in kink scenarios, Certainly. and that sort of thing. Well, so, what can't be used in a kink scenario? That's a because mm. I
2: think a lot of Good you point. know fetishes yeah. and things come from our own nostalgia and personal experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I might look at you know, uh, that wooden kitchen spoon and have, like, thoughts that I would not tell my grandma, you know, (laughs) but, you know, it's just very personal. So I love making something out of a hammer and a nail. And a lot of times, you know, toolbox things bring up, you know, like – Experiences with a parent, mm-hmm. a lot of times a father, you know, like in queer community, that can be a very complicated thing. You know, people it's a, a lot of times yeah, yes. have reclaimed these relationships, reclaimed like their own, you know, handiness. And, you know, so like using these recognizable shapes, a lot of them do have that, you know, rough cut sensibility where they do nod to kink and things like that. But also any kind of nostalgia gives people the opportunity to project themselves and feel a small part of their own experience experience Mm -hmm. in our designs
1: well i you know speaking of nails and ass play i'm gonna bring it back together (laughs) thank you 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 came out with an um, amazing image last i think it was last year who knows it's all been blurring together of an ass with a nail kind of beautifully set within it in this beautiful ass but that is gorgeous uh, so it's with the, the hammer
2: so it's, the, the, it's hammer. A hammer. Yeah. the hammer. Thank right. you. Right. Yes. Sorry. It's a no hammer in the bomb. I
1: just, mm-hmm. sorry, no, got no that no wrong. Problem. But the image was so striking and so beautiful. And you guys are really known for putting out these exceptional images that really evoke a lifestyle, whether we know, right, what. What we use a golden hammer for or not isn't really the point, but Mm. you're expressing something that is so inviting Mm. to be a part of.
0: It's inviting, but also the designs uh, themselves coming from kind of that hardware motif are still incredibly wearable. Mm. And it's sort of what I love about the brand in general is that you, you have a very specific point of view, but it's executed in such a fashion that there isn't a single piece that either one of you are wearing that... Anybody couldn't wear in any context and mix with anything else, even, even yeah. the much more conventional kind of personal jewelry. that
3: yeah. well, no, I think. Oh, sorry. Oh no, no, fine. I think leaving room for those kinds of illusions and contextualizations is the space in which we have the most fun. It's like that kind of flexibility, you know. Mm-hmm. The impact image that you're mentioning is one that Dana had conceived and I think had was envisioning very literally when we. Uh, attacked that project. Mm-hmm. Which isn't how everything goes. Mm-mm. But it was a fun toe dip for us because we usually keep things quite literal, quite quite sterile and clean, mm-hmm. and let others really bring those nostalgic kind of features um, to the pieces that they're interested in. So it was fun to really go for it. For and us, that image was kind it. of, I'm sure you guys are familiar
2: with the uh, work of Robert Mapplethorpe, of who course. I mention all the time. Mm-hmm. but. It he is a great great gay icon because he had interest in photographing um, you know a lot of like leathery imagery mm-hmm. and you know people in the community of. You know, especially at the time of like an outlier community Mm -hmm. and the world in so many ways wasn't ready for it. So his solution was photographing flowers with the same sensibility, eroticism, eroticism, beautiful Mm -hmm. detail and using that subject matter to present the skill with which he was addressing light Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Oh, what do you call it? Composition and all the things that mm-hmm. take to make, you know, beautiful, stunning and kind of minimalist photo. And then later in his career, you know, you see the two bodies of work juxtaposed and also shown directly next to each other. And so many times there's a beautiful... Uh, likeness in the form between like an erotic body part and a mm-hmm. flower you know so uh, he obviously he's not the first one to do that georgia o'keefe and a lot of, of these people you know are you know are queer you know and it's interesting that a lot of uh you know there's a lot of subtlety around um presenting you know sensitive subject matter to a broader audience and you know like with ass play or anything easing them into it yes. and just kind of warming them up with the florals you know warming them up with you know a ring with like a door knocker you know photographed in maybe in gold on someone very pretty you know and it's and then yeah certainly someone will layer 12 of those rings in a look with a bunch of spikes and it'll look completely different but I love that challenge and I use my mom and my grandma as muses and examples of like, yeah, someone with a very extreme sense of style will wear this, but also my mom wears it. And then someone looks at me kind of funny and it's like, Your mom, she must, that must be kind of like a drag on my style. I was like, You haven't seen my mom's style, okay? <laughs> <laughs> She's so cute. Yeah. chic. She's yeah, we both have very chic family members. And we actually had used like my grandmother as the first person ever to model any diamond pieces. We started working with design, uh, yeah. recycled diamonds. And my whole life, my grandma was the only one I knew that was like flashy enough kind of to wear diamonds. Mm -hmm. You know, with gold always and like a tracksuit, very South Florida vibes. Yes, I love (laughs) that. But that was one of our favorite shoots ever because it was so real and there was so much texture and nostalgia Mm -hmm. and so much room for other people to, you know, recount their own experience and in a different lens that maybe kind of gives them new perspective on it and it can be very healing in a way that like all kinds of play can be and I think you know kink and these things can be hugely therapeutic if Mm -hmm. it's done in a safe space Mm
3: -hmm. and And for us to explore representation and what that means for um, an entity like ours getting to play with people of different experiences who are older who may or may not be a family member Um, make a lot of difference for us because they wear the pieces well. There's nothing like seeing somebody who is... Non averse to diamonds, um really glowing in them, and like maybe talking her into putting a mouth guard that's encrusted in diamonds in for a minute <laughs> yeah. um, and like cutting back so they fit on the dentures, like it's all part of it, and it's been a fun learning experience, you know, I feel so much closer to the models we use and the people that are around us, just because they are able to identify with the pieces that Dana designs in a way that we would have never thought of before.
0: I've said this to you on other occasions when we've done IG lives and that sort of thing, but I always think uh, that you two produce easily the best and consistently most interesting uh, imagery out of any independent and jeweler and memorable. Yeah, like every
1: of, m- every image you've talked about, I know. Yeah, I know so the Post, photos yeah. of
0: your gran with the mouth guard, like, oh god. Like I've seen those. <laughs> I so uh, that's you. Can... <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, so she what looks we great. Just posted today. So this silver fox, who's a graphic designer and illustrator, sexy, yeah. so sexy. Yeah. He's a teacher at a lot of the New York City art schools I've known him for a while he lives on my block mm-hmm. and I you know I saw the dimple in his earlobe I was like, you used to have an earring <laughs> can I photograph you sometime you know and like, I think that's part of it is living in New York and being a New York brand is mm-hmm. we're so fortunate to be surrounded by muses Absolutely. you know we've certainly been muses for ourselves for each other mm-hmm. you know and I'm definitely like a collector of people that inspire me and just mm-hmm. like it's such a privilege to be surrounded by people like that so you know the representation thing feels very authentic to us because our life is that eclectic and Mm -hmm. we're certainly so much of the time photographing our friends you know Mm -hmm. neighbors you know people like that just because they are so inspiring and so beautiful
0: yeah no and i find all of that imagery that you produce incredibly inspiring too for it
1: yeah and well just What you just said about authenticity and representation—those were two things we really wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about today. Because I think you guys, as a brand, are so authentic to who you are, but also to your community that you have kind of stepped forward to represent, which is so wonderful to see. That you have come forward with a brand that isn't about what what everyone else in the world is doing, right? You've come at it from this is what we want to see in Mm -hmm. the world, and that's so refreshing.
0: And just on a personal note, for me too, I don't see myself in other jewelry companies, jewelers, designers, whatever the way that I always see myself in your work. So to me, it's been wonderful because I've been in this business for a while now, but I don't always feel represented by anybody. I don't see sort of a version of myself anywhere, mm. really. But whenever I see your work, I always feel seen in Thank in you. that regard. And Thank that's sort you. of really important because this business as much as JB and I love being in this industry, and we do have our gripes and problems with it, mm-hmm. right? And we did a whole episode about that, so we're not going to get mm. into that. But we um, we do... Uh, it's, it's hard because it's very old world in many ways. Yeah. It's very stuffy in many ways. Mm-hmm. And it's always so exciting to have young talent that is pushing yeah. really hard against that grain and that sort of cares about making sure yeah. people do feel that.
2: Well, I think we're also like... Uh we're um, it's interesting because some of the questions that you posed made me want to like start some of the queer representation conversations from a very 101 level, just to kind of not yeah. jump ahead of where anybody might be at. Mm-hmm. Right. Um in the queer community, I think there has been erasure of different segments of it you yeah. know and at times it's like certain segments so weird but like there's definitely like a gay trend and then like a lesbian trend and then like a trans what, trend of that, media is just focusing on segments uh,
0: speaking to that specifically just f- for pride mm-hmm. i think it was last year there was yeah. a whole debate about whether or not kink should be represented sure. in in pride yeah that is mm-hmm. uh, that was astonishing to me that younger generations of lgbtq people would be even positing that question because yeah. so much of that kink aesthetic was uh, part of kind of gay liberation, especially totally. here in New York City. So to say that that doesn't have a space well, because it's such a too part of the mainstream
2: culture yeah. now. It's like, but it's also at the same time people are reversing Roe v. Wade. You know, we can't take for yeah. granted at any point no, we can't. that things have been accepted.
0: I've, I've had uh, friends who've said to me, "Well, that time of kind of feeling underrepresented as uh, an LGBTQ person." is really over so we have to focus on other things and I said no the, the way that the world works is erosion mm-hmm. so if you're not constantly holding up the floodgates mm-hmm. yeah. they will break completely erosion
2: is definitely going to be a centerpiece of this
0: conversation too yes
2: you know and I think you know it's amazing I mean you can have literally people at the pinnacle of popular culture mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to give any more traffic to those clicks. but yeah. you know the one person I will shut out is uh, Julia Fox Box. You know, she is there on the front lines of popular culture right mm-hmm. now. And she is someone who has always, you know, like honored her roots in kink community. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think like and I'm not going to speak for any other ways that she would identify, except that I've heard her be very sex work positive, kink mm-hmm. positive and mm-hmm. certainly translate that into her fashion looks, mm-hmm. you know, and like these things, these are polarizing things. You're going to have people yeah. on both sides of that conversation. But I think for me and Mariah's experience, we're both kind of like very venn diagram animals for different reasons like i'm jewish and white and bi or pansexual i think people use those terms differently
3: Mm -hmm. or somewhat interchangeably Mm -hmm. and i would say i use the same interchangeably i'm not jewish i'm half white and half indian jamaican Mm -hmm. um
2: but it's hard to feel sometimes like you can be like, I neither of us would be white enough not to be like fucked in like a right wing uprising, anti white yeah, yeah. situation, but neither of us are black. You yeah, know? yeah. And, you know, we're both, you know, pan by, have partners of all genders, sexual orientations, and whatever, but are not, we also could be accused of, I'm gonna maybe even more me because I'm often partnered and rise not as partners as often, like publicly. Mm-hmm. But like for straight passing, so the combination of white passing and straight passing, it's not really like uh, imposter syndrome because like we didn't choose this path. It chose us. But mm-hmm. it's hard sometimes to show up to, you know, every diversity inclusion thing that we feel so, you know, um, passionate about, but also for me to be I'm. I'm my partner is queer but like he's kind of like a straight passing man he's very mm-hmm. mask presenting I'm mm-hmm. very femme presenting mm-hmm. although I wear a lot of men's clothes <laughs> but you know like this is also important representation right because like you're a complicated creature too You know, I don't always you know I certainly don't identify with like the rainbow t-shirt stores you know
0: and there's... I mean listen I don't either honestly and there are many <laughs> ways you know I've had this conversation with friends of mine where I'm kind of baffled about the boxes that I'm often put in because has made people make uh, certain assumptions about me based on how I present in my day-to-day. Yeah, course, yeah. But, you know, I, like, I've like listened to Kylie Minogue while eating a sausage over the stove in my underwear. <laughs> right. I don't know how to classify that, but haven't we all? But, yeah, you know, right. that's sort of the thing uh, that uh, is, is hard about this communica- yeah. uh, community nowadays is uh, people want more boxes. They want yeah, more the definitions.
3: and the identifiers uh, leave a lot to be desired. But they do. I
0: think people yeah. are ever
3: evolving and that's something that I really love about Bond is that mm-hmm. um, we can contextualize hardware as much as anybody wants and at the end of the day it's a, a literal object and people get a kick out of it whether you're a... Um, straight nine-to-fiver who maybe has a tongue-in-cheek idea about like a little bit of kink in their life. Maybe watch Fifty Shades of Grey or something. If you're somebody who's more quote-unquote lifestyle and who's embraced facets of these physical extracurriculars that might include aesthetics within kink and might include other things, it's fun to really play with the breadth of that span Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. live in all facets of it. Dana and I love to get dressed in a sharp suit, Dana even more so, um, and enter worlds in which those kinds of conversations wouldn't typically be had and bring people... Those kinds of pieces mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time, of course, it's also fun to you know throw on some latex and go yeah. out in the night I mean, and I yeah. think like these kinds of visual identifiers really have their
2: root in a lot of different, very familiar things, so like um, a lot of people will be familiar with like men especially piercing the right or the left ear, yes, you know, saying something yeah. about mm-hmm. their sexual orientation. Um, you know, within more of a queer culture thing, there's certain colors that you could wear as like a bandana at a club or certain things to identify uh, certain experiences you might be seeking out um, or how you identify in like a role dynamic kind of thing. Um, But certainly there are elements of wearing, and I always use the Hitch series. That's Mm -hmm. like this door knocker shape that Mm -hmm. we put on a lot of things because that hardware was initially, we got it from a, hardware store and it's used you like bolt it down and you use the hitching ring it's called to attach things to it mm-hmm. but also that has translated to a lot of kink and playware, which we don't make any functional play wear. we just make things for people to adorn themselves with and i think it's very um it comes from creating a safe space you know putting mm-hmm. things on your body that will discreetly signal to people in the in crowd i'm your people this is a safe space because there was certainly a time when you might take a chance, you know, flirting with the wrong person, and that could be really dangerous. Yes, you it know? can. Yeah. people really have died receptive.
0: for flirting with the Completely. wrong person. they, many, they truly yeah. have in this world. So that's a that's a bizarre thing, and that's why yeah. those identifiers have historically Definitely. been so important. They've been life saving. Yeah. So I love that you reference that, which leads me to ask you. And this is, you know, this is a whole thing that we could get into and probably speak on for hours and hours on end but uh, we have for hours we n- we actually don't <laughs> i don't plan on paying for hours but uh what we what i always wonder whenever i get into a conversation like this is nowadays what even is a queer Aesthetic, and maybe Mm. we can help uh, define that a little bit for our audience because not everybody listening will understand what that means. It's Mm -hmm. just
3: such a spectrum, right? It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of what we see is uh, the common denominator being self expression, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. to take on the vulnerability of wearing yourself on your sleeve a little mm. bit, mm-hmm. whether that means with a piece of jewelry you wear or the actions you're taking in life. Um, mm. I would say that's the thing we see across and the And I
2: think board. like that's something that, um, you know, the name bond, it's one of those words that resonated on so many levels. And part of it was this idea of a person that's a number, not a person. Mm-hmm. They're an archetype of a person. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, queer aesthetic or self-expression I think can be very hand in hand because there is um, there's normative culture mm-hmm. and then there's, non normative culture and based on the society we live in straightness is normative culture heteronormative culture and so either you are subscribing to that and presenting yourself in a way you know keeping up with the joneses kind of thing wearing the things you think you're supposed to wear to project the identity you're trying to embody Mm -hmm. or you're taking a path of like um you know self-reflection and taking the cues on what you how you want to physically present yourself based on like how you feel inside you know and that's a very vulnerable thing because you might put it on your outside and someone might make fun of you someone might say that sure. doesn't look good you know and there's certainly like and it's the most beautiful thing like when watching a friend transition watching a friend like it doesn't even have to be like a gender transition transition aesthetically mm-hmm. you know seeing people get better at putting their look together coming mm-hmm. into their own like you know really kind of seeing that personal growth because it does really come from within mm-hmm. so I think you know queer aesthetics can be so many things but i think it is it's something that is not cookie cutter it's not spoon fed you're not going to like buy it off the rack you're going to it's going to be a little eclectic and a little bit personal because you're going to create it for yourself because there's not such a clear road map of a cookie cutter you know if i just buy everything from this like you know one Cardigan store, you know, I'll look
1: like the banker. I was
2: you know, the cardigan, cardigan
0: store. Right, that Dana yeah. goes to. Yeah. I just don't <laughs> want to shout out any
1: brands that I'm not trying to promote, you know. Yes. Like, wait, wait, wait. No, I hear, I hear you. Well, I, you know, when we were preparing for this episode, one of the things that we wanted to talk about and this i think has come up often when we talk about queer aesthetic is why is it so closely connected to sexuality Mm -hmm. right and i think you just touched on such an uh, important part of it is that comfort and connection Mm. right that you can find comfort in something that you connect to other people with and that can jewelry can kind of be that, like, identification marker often. Sh- it shouldn't be connected, right?
2: I mean, I who's this beautiful man on Instagram that has, like, the most amazing body, spicked, bald head, and wears heels and, like, pencil skirts every day? Mark something? The architect, right? <laughs> I
0: forgot yeah, his name. Right? We'll, yeah. we'll post yeah. it. We'll yeah, post he's it.
2: He's been... I mean, he's all, he's all over my feed because I think he's glorious. Mm-hmm. And I think also a lot of the icons from, like, the advanced style moments. Mm-hmm. I mean... There is no reason what you put on your body should say anything about your sexual orientation, but our society is really obsessed with sex and really closeted about that obsession. So they insist on projecting and connecting the two. But it's based on their own insecurities. It's totally based
0: on their own insecurities and assumptions. And I think that what we're really kind of getting at when we're asking the question, what is a queer queer, um, aesthetic? A queer aesthetic. (laughs) That's a different thing. What is a queer aesthetic is um, there's an element of being an outsider looking in. which I think is of great value in society. And there's an element of fearlessness.
3: Hmm. Well, and that otherness, I think, leaves a lot of room. You know, in the jewelry that we offer, people have these reactions that seem sort of similar to like a villainous reaction Mm -hmm. of uh, seeing a blade or something with a sharp edge. And they read that... uh, from a fear-based kind of place Mm. when maybe that's not the intention at all. And maybe it's something that feels empowering and protective. And so I think that's the dynamic. Yeah, and it's Mm -hmm.
0: societal and cultural too. I grew up in Germany where, you know, you would see a lot of that kind Mm. of uh, aesthetic in day-to-day sort of punk culture in Germany, which is very hardcore in their presentation. Nina Hagen, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. we, uh, to, to me, it's about... I don't know, perhaps Germany I'm wrong. Is such
2: an interesting dichotomy because of like, then the other side is so blonde and so pretty and so like... Clean. So clean, And yeah, so like, totally. so
0: heteronormative and so yeah. sort, of, uh, sort of perfect in presentation. Mm-hmm. And that's very true about even places like Berlin. Yeah. And that's where I grew up. And that's kind of what I uh, yeah. always experienced. And at the same time, whenever I saw a version of the other, it to me never read as danger, but it always mm-hmm. read as just like, this is uh, about this is about power and it's about sex
2: right it's really easy to misunderstand mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. we are so similar and we were just we're always misunderstanding each other and trying to communicate (laughs) more clearly but we couldn't be more different and more similar at the same time Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to like acknowledge those things and i think for us like authenticity is very much like does the outside look and feel like the inside? Mm-hmm. And over time, is that going to diverge or like stay married? Uh, Marry yeah. is the wrong word, like, you know, stay on the same path, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, and that can be like a piece of jewelry, you know, is it plated with something cheap and or, or like something nice, but have something cheap on the inside? Mm-hmm. Is it going to have bad wear and tear, not be authentic, you know, look like terrible over time? Mm-hmm. And for us, it's this authenticity, voyage very much is about the personal expression but also like the material choice the methods in which we are fabricating you know and that is a very you know things need to be solid and that word resonates on so many levels you know they need to be strong they need to be you know well thought out they need to have structural integrity they need to have you know basic integrity Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things i think Resonate with us on so many levels that it's really easy to kind of apply it across the you know Across the spectrum of from our day-to-day lives to you know our work and the uh, way. We're trying to express these conversations
0: Mm -hmm. Was your ambition with starting bond to have to kind of create a space that you or that you thought Didn't exist in the market was there a void that you wanted to fill
2: I mean Two things. Number one, I feel like that is the first thing any business person asks you when let's you're starting into a business. That. Yes, let's have a what is that. the white space that you're filling? Yeah. Yes. So I have two business people as parents. Love them. Really fortunate and grateful for the, you know, the voice of reason that they've been at times. Mm-hmm. Also, it's great to have, take it with a grain of salt and make your own decisions because mm-hmm. we are not our parents. Of course not. Um, you know, and then. Um, I also felt, and it was interesting because as like a straight passing person who's been queer forever, I didn't ever really come out, but, um, people before, I guess I was more active in the community asked me a lot, like why I had so many gay friends and why I was so involved in the community. It was, I guess it wasn't as obvious to them as it was like I thought. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it comes from, Again, shout out to my parents for creating a safe space for the expression where, like, I could wear literally anything or literally nothing mm-hmm. and it would be celebrated and be like that's so creative wow that's so interesting wow that's so weird but like weird good mm-hmm. you know not weird bad so then I would take that to school and it'd be like I don't know I look awesome all these kids think I don't but like everyone's been telling me for so long that I look awesome all those other kids must be wrong <laughs> yeah. and then soon like my mom always you know will recount specific trends that this happened with like yeah. graduating gravitating towards something thing. And then it kind of catching on, not crediting me, but acknowledging the collective consciousness. And Mm -hmm. when you're an early adapter, that tends to like bleed into multifacets of your life. Mm -hmm. But having that experience, I took that for granted, I guess. And then when I met so many of my queer friends, their families were so the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. they would could not wear whatever they wanted. And if they did, it was not, you know, received well. I mean, obviously, sometimes my parents were trying to get me to tone it down, not to be too provocative or something Mm -hmm. for my age, which was responsible, but annoying at the time. That's reasonable.
0: That's reasonable, you know,
2: totally reasonable. Um, But I did feel a responsibility not only to create like a white space for a unisex brand and, you know, sustainable jewelry that there's something at all price points, but, you know, also creating this space for the expression that is so core to who I am is kind of like a... I don't really think about it, but as like an unapologetic or like kind of bold aesthetically and personality, Mm -hmm. you know, creating a space for people to create that experience with their chosen family that hopefully like we can be a part of in some small way Mm -hmm. and, you know, to have that experience and share that.
0: I have to tell you, just for our audience, (laughs) what Dana just did is like a masterclass in how to sell mm-hmm. your brand because you you not only did you obviously talk about the broad big picture stuff about the space you wanted to fill your clientele your demographic you covered all of mm-hmm. those spaces and then in addition to that worked in you know a moment about we also have pieces in all price ranges and yeah. they're accessible <laughs> and this and that right. I well, mean that's a ma- that's exactly how it's you a do masterclass. it masterclass well
1: i think what's so great and refreshing to be you know Alana and I work with a lot of different jewelers and i think the thing too that, many. I love about you guys the most is, and I talk about this a lot and I'm going to harp on it again, but it's just that real true authenticity. Like you speak of, like you are unapologetic in your approach, but. Of what you want to do, but you've made these things, like you said, in price points that are accessible to you and your community. You've pulled back during the pandemic. I think we were talking about you being like, this isn't a sustainable way to do this Mm -hmm. business anymore. Mm -hmm. And you weren't afraid to take a pause and rethink your approach. And I think that is so key to success, but also that's how you should run a business in a way that is really like this is how my life is this is how we can succeed from who we are not trying to hit goals or markers that other people have put out in the world
0: and and to that point and we've spoken about this in other episodes you've also taken a niche and you've made it commercial yeah. and that's something that we encourage uh, young designers to think about in a very serious way all the time and in commercial doesn't mean watered down or, or simplified mm. but it it comes down to the marketing
2: certainly mm. I mean I think you know it, it gets um, there's like a sterility that's mm-hmm. part of it intentionally because we don't want to alienate people we know like the shapes are already aggressive the scale of things is already large and kind of aggressive you know mm-hmm. we are kind of have been thinking about ways to incorporate softness into an otherwise very hard visual language Mm -hmm. and way to kind of challenge ourselves and juxtapose our things like this is going to be the year of we're getting into brown, you know. That's oh, color for rough. us. We're gonna soften it with these. Yeah, yeah. it is. You're know, not wearing any really yet, into but brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> brown is very yeah. sexy. Yeah. 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 yeah, so you know, yeah. we're kind of softening things in our own way, and always kind of reassessing. We offer this beautiful gold um, and gunmetal PVD finishes that are. Um, mm-hmm. Our new surgical steel assortment, which is, you know, a really beautiful core opening price point that we feel really good about. We have like great hinged earrings in the surgical steel. So now people who are allergic to nickel can't wear gold plated things. Maybe too sensitive for sterling silver. Have body piercings and sterling's not appropriate for that anyway. Mm-hmm. Or a sustainable metal. Um, you know, these surgical steel offerings are now something we're so universal and people can not just buy one, but b- buy a bunch and stack them and, you know, really kind of transform their mm-hmm. aesthetic, but not be afraid to wear it in water not be afraid it's going to be delicate because real mm-hmm. gold is so expensive and so soft. And so, so many of the things that, um, you know, we've just kind of worked around and we hope to inspire a bigger brand and other designers, not just people that are going to be inspired by our shapes, but hopefully people will be inspired by our process. Mm -hmm. Because if we can promote, um, I engrave the alloy number of the metal on the outside of every single piece also on the inside but i want everyone to know like the silver we use is nine three five argentium nickel free recycled silver made in new york never sterling sterling has nickel sterling has fire stain for sterling is bad because of the chemicals and the exposure to chemicals you need to work with it in Mm -hmm. the factory setting you know just taking the nickel out of it, replacing it with germanium, having 935 that's a little bit more pure makes it hypoallergenic, makes it fire stain free. You don't need any pickling solution. Way less toxic runoff created or zero toxic runoff created from the production process. No exposure to you or the workers in the factory. You know, that small improvement and using the silver that's uh, making it. Ref- getting it from recycled sources, you know, totally changes the conversation and mm-hmm. for the sustainability. It's not just, you know, one fold. It's every step of the process. And that is still our mid range. And then our opening price point, making that aluminum and the surgical steel with these special PVD plating. PVD is amazing because it's not a wet bath plating process you dip something in. It's a contained process in a vacuum chamber with an electrical current running through the air. So you have these surgical steel pieces and the gold or the gunmetal, which a lot of times is black rhodium, penetrates deeper so that it has a much more durable finish than yeah. traditional gold pleating so you can wear it in the water for our sculptures that are made in the same process. They can be installed outside we don't Amazing. have to worry about it. Like I was researching the metals that like the diamond quality that like Tiffany uses, the metals that Anish Kapoor uses. Like what is the commercial luxury standard? I'm going to use materials and processes that are better than that. Amazing. If it's good enough for Kanish- Anish Kapoor, is it good enough for me? The answer was no. Mm-hmm. He uses 304 stainless Damn. steel so every single sculpture he has installed in a major in city, that city needs a cleaning regimen to maintain the sculpture because it's constantly corroding and rusting. I did not know that. We use 316L surgical stainless that so you would never need to do that. And a good example was the Damien Hearst mammoth sculpture mm-hmm. that's at the Faina in Miami. The cage for that, mm-hmm. that gold is the same surgical steel oh. PVD plated. Amazing. Yeah, safe for your body, safe for the outside, and you know all recycled stones, all recycled metals. You, and everything is nickel free will never tarnish never tarnish oxidize turn your skin green because i think people don't talk about that like oxidation on your skin it goes directly into your bloodstream yeah. and people have been talking about more and more the connection between alzheimers and metals in your water and your food but you know i stopped wearing makeup the day i learned that your body absorbs 20 pounds of makeup a year directly through your skin wow i was like and then done I'm done with that.
1: Wow. So, like,
2: the full spiel, I mean, is, like, it comes from a girl who, like, saves her vegetable cuttings and bones to make broth at home. Like, (laughs) it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a kink lifestyle. It's a sustainability lifestyle. But it doesn't have to be all everything all the time, you can, you know, Mm -hmm. cherry pick what fits for you and
1: slowly introduce more when it feels good. And it's it's universal, like you said. I think, you know, I've mentioned several times the community that Mm. you've supported because we've talked a lot about like that community, but really Bond hardware is a universal brand. And that's what's so fascinating. You're thinking about things that are affecting the world we live in, right? And the health of us. humanity, right? <clears throat> and those are really big concepts. I, I
0: like that you say that, by the way, because it's always fascinating to listen to hear, uh, to, to hear people sort of explain and kind of work around the reasons that they don't do something, right? And oh, it's not cost-effective, this, that, and the other thing, whatever the reasons may be. And uh, I always posit to people that are kind of global interests are purely selfish interests. Mm-hmm, totally. And if you are a purely selfish human being, you should care about those glo- global interests because they affect you.
3: And we're here to tell you that the change is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the agility with which Dana approached making some of the material change changes happen within our brand uh, is something i really respect because Mm -hmm. it was a shot in the dark in a lot of ways dana as far as my understanding goes pioneered a lot of the process that we use today because Others hadn't done the research, and we were left in this sort of lurch where we had been making costume jewelry at the time, and people were giving us lists of reasons it couldn't be done any other way. Mm-hmm. We finally, during the pandemic, had the time. But it's like, and we know that's not true. Out. I
2: mean, I have a watch that's not real gold, but I can wear it in the shower in the water. The gold doesn't come off. It doesn't turn me green. How did they do it? Yeah. yeah, You know, I want that process. I have this carabiner. that's the most beautiful color. I don't necessarily want it to be that color, but it's aluminum, and the color isn't coming off it's not scratching like what how do we take these processes and apply them are they safe to be worn on skin Mm -hmm. and this all stemmed from i mean i'm emotionally very sensitive physically also very sensitive and mariah too like mariah is so allergic to nickel she can't wear sterling that's why it was like so ridiculous like solid silver big chunky pieces are like at the core of what we do obviously yeah. we've made things in all these other materials because at a certain point you know it just got comical the weight so we started making things
0: in <laughs> aluminum because yeah. what a great material that's really yeah. undervalued you know but well, that's interesting i'm i i can only wear high carat gold i wonder if yeah. i can get away with One of your pieces too, I should try. A
2: thousand percent. And I have these, some of my favorite customers are the people with nickel allergies and sensitivities because once they realize that they can not only wear it as like a bracelet or a necklace, but like an earring that's penetrating them. They're like lifers. Mm -hmm. They will always keep coming back because they no longer have to spend thousands of dollars on earrings. I think our opening price point for these gold little huggy earrings, like $90, the gold PVD stainless. And they're so great. And, you know, we are only going to keep diving further into that um kind of piercing space for the opening price point, mm-hmm. like small things because there's so many great brands that have really done piercing jewelry in new ways, but they're all fine, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's been like, you know, great champions for that kind of aesthetic. You know, obviously Rihanna is one that comes to mind. But, you know, I think that there's still space for like between what you get at the piercing shop and a solid gold with diamonds, you know, like fancy piercing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's another white space opportunity that we really feel exists. And we feel like, you know, we're making sculptures that pierce spaces and buildings and things. And now we can make, you know, jewelry in the right materials to safely pierce bodies. We're really excited about it because I think that kind of body mod And it's like the next level of Mm self-expression that I think it's really tied to representation of a lot of subcultures, not just queer culture.
0: Yeah,
3: And for us, that space is also functional as a workaround because we participate in a few curated wholesale boutique kind of situations. But beyond that, the... um, gender segmentation that happens in other kinds of department stores and in a lot of other boutique stores even puts us in this kind of gray space where buyers don't necessarily know what to do with us being a mm-hmm. unisex brand. So being in a piercing shop gives us the ability to showcase work to people of um, any catered nuance.
0: Yeah, the it's issues. the right demographic, right? It's mm. the right kind of space for mm. you to start in. Mm. But I'm I'm wondering, mm. I always bought into this adage of, you know, the personal is political. Mm. And I always think, just because of history, uh, sex and sexuality are often highly politicized and highly political acts, mm. right? Is your work political? Do you want it to be? We've definitely
2: made political works. I mean, it. we're not living in a time... Ton- I think... We, I grew up in... I was born in 1989 where I was like three years younger than me. I think when I was like very young, it was easier to be less political, yes. which was wrong. Yes, You know, that is part of what got us here was like the, you know, um, apathetic approach that I think we were kind of taking things for granted and that really... I mean, we've come as, a, as artists in such an interesting time and certainly... Being sensitive creatures, you know, the political space and times have definitely affected our work. You know, we've sometimes we hard stop and you'll see us just be quiet on the internet. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're figuring out like what is the right next step. Mm-hmm. That happened with rebranding for sustainability, not rebranding, but like re structuring mm-hmm. our whole process for mm-hmm. the sustainability efforts because I was really struggling with the concept. Of, do we make stuff in a world that doesn't need any more stuff or do we start to like focus on making imagery or something Mm -hmm. and then we were having this conversation well are we just like victims of kind of the uh current professional and political climate of like shifting towards like a service based economy, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. because we are so sensitive to these shifts. I I, I feel it sometimes that I don't want to be pulled off my own track, but I do as an early adapter. Right. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's always drawn towards, you know, something that's, you know, new and exciting, cutting edge, there's a desire to contribute to the positive Um, effort in moving culture forward in a positive way. So Mm -hmm. when you see something new coming about, whether it's like, I don't know, there's been so many that have happened in my life, in my lifespan, you know, it's like the weed business, you know, like the mushroom business, you know, like the queer culture evolving that's presence in the media, you know, the political climate, you know, shifting so much through, you know, the last, you know, few American presidents, especially, you know, it's hard for that not to work its way into the work. It certainly does. You know, mm-hmm. we made that American flag sculpture. Mm-hmm. That started that piece started in 2019 and was meant to be part of our like furniture and mm-hmm. sculpture debut. Truthfully, we started that piece and we didn't finish it in time. And we had so that was a big collection, that furniture collection. Mm-hmm. It, we just cut it, but we had all the materials, you know. And then we took some real time off during covid and blm because as to white passing straight passing women promoting and making you know kind of like edgy art and jewelry that's certainly not a necessity mm-hmm. um we were fortunate just to finish uh, and win that cfda grant you know right at the time we were like We did a hard stop, and that was a really weird thing to do, just winning the CFDA Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. But we were like, we can't conscientiously move forward and continue to self-promote. It's just just the wrong time for that. And everyone was like, you're crazy. It's all about momentum. You have to keep going. Strike while the iron's hot. It's like, "Ah, you guys are just all so insensitive. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. like... We're a very community driven brand that we would be nowhere without our community. Mm-hmm. And if we can't recognize a time to like hard stop and be community focused and figure out ways to give back, figure out ways to incorporate, you know, community support into, you know, our daily life and like our, the mission of our team, you know, then we don't deserve to be here, you know? And so we kind of, we did very much like just start collecting. Um, we, shared a message from someone else just trying to collect names of people who wanted to get more involved that we could, you know, have on hand to maybe collaborate with and infuse money into the hands of black and brown creatives in the future. You know, we created a space in our studio that has been a free and open space to queer and POC creatives and artists. And we've been doing... These um, open studio focused micro residencies Mm -hmm. where we give space and uh, some resources to um, a curated assortment of designers, artists, or, you know, creatives um, to show together, you know, once a month, we were doing it twice a month during the summer, like a summer Fridays vibe, but through the colder months and obviously covid permitting we took a little break this winter but that's been really great i mean we've been able to offer a free space to people who don't have their own space to show and try to curate their work with work of one or two other artists and get a full space of a you know um you know, a community that will appreciate each of the artist's work. And that's on us to do a good job curating and on everyone to Mm co-promote. But that was one of the most immediate things that we could think of to give back. That's not just like, us you know showing up for to demonstrate or giving money but like to give something really tangible like a space and a hosting opportunity mm-hmm. yeah. and you know leave it up you know f- so that if they have people that can't come for that open studio day they can come you know for like the two weeks surrounding it and mm-hmm. so you know just something that it was really important for us to create for ourselves and then you know also to be able to share that mm-hmm. without asking for anything except you know co-promoting and stuff yeah. from other people but it's been people have been so receptive. To that. And then, you know, there's it's an interesting. Like, I had been personally promoting, like, uh, wanting to do a beach cleanup in the Bronx because uh, I have a f- my family, you know, has a little place in the Bronx that butts up to the water, but like it's so beautiful and needs the cleanup so bad. Mm-hmm. And people travel to do these kinds of charitable things all right. the time, but, you know, just starting to. Share on my stories occasionally, like 2022 beach cleanup, as soon as it's warm, like let's go. It's yeah. had some of the best turnout <laughs> responses of like anything that I've ever posted. And wow. it's just so amazing to see, like, I don't know. It was such like a random thing that I started sharing, but like that what people are really hungry for and what people really want. And yes, we want to give the people what we want, but we also are listening, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. we're listening to people saying, this is my budget. I want to be able to wear things in gold that are heavy and cool and chunky and not real solid gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I want You know sustainability efforts to be more hands-on to be like more thoughtful I want to hear you you know word vomit about the types of metal and the process you know like don't take it easy on me like I want the full the long version of the long you know yeah don't
0: take it easy on me I want the long version (laughs) yeah yeah
2: so that's the takeaway (laughs) yeah we've been um yeah trying to be responding not just to the political climate but also Mm -hmm. to you know continuing to communicate with people in community leaders in the community customers you know people that have reached out to us for support in their own times of need when we can we do try to be as giving as possible and you know just also just like being good listeners i think is part of it Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah, and it's so great to hear, and especially in a city like New York, where there's so many, you know, walls and barriers for people for mm-hmm. access to space, especially young creatives. We we've talked about this a lot. Mm. How devastating it can be, especially after a pandemic. Yeah. So exactly. for you guys to to put out things like space and and cleanup efforts, bringing people together to do mm. these things that can really make changes. You know, so this is
0: what I love about. Um, obviously not coming from here, but this is what I love about America and this is mm-hmm. what I love about New York City especially. It's uh, young business owners like you two doing the things that you're doing and thinking as deeply about all of those problems as you are and coming back to supporting the community. There's something that about that that I associate very much with this country. Mm. That makes me very proud to have become an American uh, not too terribly long ago. So, and <laughs> thank you. And <laughs> and it makes me so proud of uh, being in the city and surrounded by entrepreneurs like yourselves.
2: Totally.
3: It seems also, you know, I am in many ways an outsider, the most outsider in the room to the jewelry industry Mm. in the most general sense. Um, And something I really have always appreciated about Dana's approach is that while working within a jewelry medium, always um, looking with kind of an expansive perspective that is beyond jewelry because the applications for so many of the motifs we use span into other kinds of design. And by the same token, a lot of the people we work with are not quote unquote jewelers. I don't think, I don't know if Dana would identify as a jeweler. I don't think in any way.
2: I never really enjoyed the term. I never, I did study traditional silversmithing and jewelry at FIT's amazing
3: Saturday Live program for high school students. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so to take the skill set learned in spaces like that and start working with people who might have studied industrial design or might not have experience um, in design technically but are interested in fabrication and other things, to bring some of that knowledge and share that I think is uh, something that Feels really good and opens the space for jewelry in a lot of ways that mm-hmm. might feel otherwise closed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and that's totally what this, this that's what this industry needs. Yeah, you know, we have a lot of sameness. We have a lot of the same kind of mindset. We have a lot of people who come from the same uh, background into the business. They're either mm-hmm. family businesses or mm-hmm. they come from positions of privilege. JB tells me I say that too often. I'm not going to say the other words that I'm not allowed to say <laughs> because they get us in trouble. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, you know. It's all the same type of person consistently entering the market. And mm-hmm. it's to the industry's detriment. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. it is. And it's so important for us to have individuals like you stepping into the market, even if you don't think mm-hmm. of yourselves, it's first really and foremost, great. as jewelers. Yeah. It provides and serves a really important uh, function. And it yeah. should inspire, you know, more jewelers to think in these terms. And it's not impossible. There's not that high a barrier to entry to do things the right way.
2: Right, right. definitely. Mm-hmm. I think the Argentium material that we were using opposed to traditional sterling is about 10% more expensive. right? Mm-hmm. And I think similarly for the recycled materials, you're looking at like a 10 or 15% increase, which is not nothing, but you also can charge more on the other end and customers will really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, just base your retails off your costs, let them increase exponentially
1: and let people know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's nice to, to hear you talk to about that holistic approach to success, right? It's not always about the bottom line, right? It's Mm. Also, how can we make the bottom line work to meet the goals that we need to meet as Mm -hmm. a business to support the world around us? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And I I think this is inspiring both to smaller brands who are just up and coming, but hopefully to larger Mm -hmm. brands who can afford to make these sorts of changes and and really – promote change in the world in the way that really needs to happen in the jewelry industry
0: absolutely and whose bottom line would not be affected by any of this that's Mm -hmm. the truth of it too
2: yeah i mean it's really frustrating seeing it happen so this also happened in my lifespan you know the highest end luxury designer handbags were always zinc die castings with gold plating Mm -hmm. you know like look at louis vuitton hardware that's always how it was made and you'd get like you know when i had my first like Louis Vuitton baguette bag I think it was like a gift from somebody because like I or my parents would never buy anything like that but I took the strap off and wore it as a bracelet because like I loved that little <laughs> buckle uh-huh. but the plating on that buckle came off so fast and I'm like
0: what is this garbage you know like well there goes our Louis sponsorship <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: come yeah, on but not anymore that was a long time ago I was uh-huh. in like middle school but now <laughs> okay saved it um, part the factory that we work with overseas to do our um, surgical steel pieces we're not even making molds. They're cnc seed. We save material even on not having to make molds, and it's just these machines like carving it and then like saving the dust, like sucking up mm. the the waste to recycle into new pieces. And that factory. Like Their claim to fame was taking luxury designer handbag hardware and changing it from zinc die casting to surgical steel with PVD gold plating that won't come off. So that's like the scale that they're used to working with. Um, And so, you know, we're really excited to kind of apply that to jewelry because, you know, I mean, everyone loves Vivian Westwood jewelry, but like her costume jewelry is that like traditional gold plated stuff. And I can't say how many of my friends I see it, like them still wearing it because they love it, But, like, it doesn't look as expensive as it should. Mm -hmm. And that's a materials problem. So, like, yeah, Vivian Westwood, come at me. Let's collaborate. And, like, not so that you can use my shapes, but, like, so that you can use my process. And if I, you know, like, Balenciaga was the last one to do it, you know, replicate one of our rings, but then not replicate our process and Mm -hmm. make it in, like, Mm. you know, traditional gold-plated materials that it's, like... I love to inspire, I love being inspired. I think it's a two-way street, but I hope we can inspire inspire each other not just aesthetically, but you know, in terms of the process. Yes. And it's interesting,
3: yeah. a lot of newer customers that have been coming to us as we've been more vocal about taking on sustainable processes are people who might literally have a ring from Louis Vuitton in hand or something and mention that they spent X amount of dollars on it. And four months later, they're in a situation where it's no longer Mm. wearable. Uh, And so the conversation then becomes how we can get them something that will last forever. And really, the foreverness factor, I think, means a lot to us. The idea of Heirlooms are something that we bring up a lot because I think that's a traditional feeling about jewelry that everybody loves, the Mm -hmm. idea that you could pass something on and the idea of passing on something that is maybe... um, Offers a little bit of insight into who the person was that they're receiving it from is really fun. And yeah. so really. I
1: love that. I think we're going to have to do another episode about heirlooms with these. Two. I
3: I think I would love to I do that. I was just
1: like, wait, that's a whole other that's
0: topic whole I really want to get into. I'd love my nan love to leave that. me one of those. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that would what be interesting.
2: And like the materials aren't going to go bad and it's not based on a trend. You know, these mm-hmm. things are not coming in or out of style. They're meant to last forever and that becomes a good thing, but it's also a lot of responsibility. Responsibility as the maker. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I think this was like an amazing masterclass to, to bring that up again, just in general about being a brand in the world today. I, I think so we're so going to have to do like a major recap of like takeaways from this for people bring it down. But that's all we have time for, unfortunately. And this has been amazing. Cool. Thank you guys so Thank much. You guys. Thank you both for mm-hmm. so you, being both here. You're both incredible.
0: You're making you. beautiful work, which to me amazing. is always first and foremost. Thank and you. then on top of that, it's work that serves our communities, really.
2: Stay mm-hmm. tuned for all of our Black Diamond recycled pieces <gasps> that we're launching okay. right now. Our solid black gunmetal surgical steel opening price point pieces. So all them. black, everything coming soon. And we just put our hardware on a Birkin bag <gasps> that we're bringing to Miami to show at a art show uh presenting women artists and designers Amazing. with surface
0: magazine and Mark. so cool. I mean we'll okay. we'll give thank all of guys. our listeners we'll that, that information we'll share it. I saw that nail pendant on your IG yeah, I was it's like awesome. <gasps> okay. yummy. We're yeah. going there. Yeah. Yeah, it's award I love season. It. Love it. Awesome.
1: Well thank you everyone for being here. Thank you guys so much
0: for coming um, yeah, it was thank a you.
1: pleasure. And this has been Rough Cut, the official NYC Jewelry Week Podcast, um, head to nyctoryweek.com for more info. You can visit bondhardware.com as well to learn more about Bond, and we will throw up all the info we talked about today so you can see all the pictures we referenced as well as promote their upcoming projects. So thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. I know. Doesn't this sound good?
0: It sounds really good. Wait till you hear the recording, guys. We sound so so good. good.
1: (gasps) That's only why I came back after the first
2: time I was like, We
0: sound so good. JB. Yeah. We sound so good.
1: Okay, let's talk about ass play,
0: I would love to talk about ass play.